Well, good morning. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we're continuing our series called, I Love My Neighborhood. And we're talking about the question that was posed to Jesus, who is my neighbor? And it's interesting because Jesus doesn't answer the question, who is my neighbor? Instead, he answers the question, how do I neighbor? And in answering this question, he tells a story. There was a man that was going down the very dangerous road down to Jericho. He was jumped, he was beaten, he was robbed, and he was left for dead. And by chance, chance would have it, a pastor and a worship leader were on their way, and they both at different times saw this man, and they passed by on the other side and did nothing. But a despised Samaritan came along, and he had compassion, and he took action. He had compassion. He saw this man, and instead of making excuses, whatever they may be, instead of thinking about what would happen to himself, he did something. He took action. What I would love for you to do as we've been talking about this story for the last couple of weeks is, is just keep in your, in your mind this, this imagery that, that Jesus is painting here. There's a man that's, that's lying there. He's bleeding. He's broken, possibly dying. He's in great need. And what I want to let you know this morning is that represents, that picture represents an entire group of people in our country today. Did you know that today there's approximately 443,000 kids that are in the foster care system right now? If we look at just our, our county, L.A. County alone, there's approximately 30,000 kids that need a home right now. And out of all of these kids, about a quarter of them will end up uh, in jail after leaving the foster care system. 90% of these kids that move five times or more will end up uh, in the juvenile justice system before they're 18. After 18, 20% of these kids will end up instantly homeless. Less than 3% of these kids that age out of the foster care system will end up earning a college degree at any point in their life. 70% of girls that age out of the foster care system will end up pregnant by the age of 21. And 25% of these kids will end up with PTSD because of their experience. Now, I share all of these different stats, and, and we talk about these stats, and anytime you hear things like this, it can be incredibly overwhelming. But here's what I, I, I really, really want us to understand, is that the need is huge, but the solution is even bigger. The problem is massive, but the solution is even bigger. And here's, here's what I mean. That in the United States, there's around 330 million people in the United States today. About 224 million of those profess to be, a, to be a Christian in some way. They profess to be a follower of Jesus. And what that means is that for every child that's in the foster care system, there's 507 professed Christians in the United States. If you just look locally speaking, that every one child in the foster care system, there are 229 professed Christians in L.A. County alone. What's interesting as you look at this is that kind of across the board, there's the, the average size of a church is about 89 people. And that means roughly if one person in every two and a half churches fostered one child, there would be no more need in the entire United States. Now you look at stats like that, and then you put that and compare that and and set that side by side with what James says in James chapter 1, verse 27. And this is what he says as he defines what pure religion is. He says, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. You know what James is doing here is he's contrasting 
uh, a religion that can fool people by the way that, that you act or talk or dress with a, with a religion that God knows is genuine. There, there's the veneer that looks good, and then there's the real thing that actually does good. What we see in this and, and what we saw with the story of the Good Samaritan is that it's entirely possible to be religious and do nothing. It's entirely possible to look religious and have no love and to exercise no love whatsoever. And so what does pure religion do? Well, it says this, that it, it looks after orphans and widows. The, the word for look after, it means to look upon, to, to gaze intently, to examine closely, to inspect. Now, what's interesting, at least for me, that as I was studying this passage again, like, I've never made this connection before that when, when James uses this word, look after, it's the exact same word that Jesus, his older brother, used in a story, a parable, to talk about sheep and goats. The story that Jesus told goes something like this. He says that when the Son of Man comes again in all of his glory, the angels will be around him, will be sitting on his glorious throne, all of the people of the nations will be gathered around him, and he's going to separate people just like a shepherd separates sheep from goats. And he's going to place the sheep on the right and the goats on the left. And this is what the story says. It says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me, and I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick. And here's the word that James uses. And you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. And he goes on to talk about how the righteous people, though, replied like, like Jesus, when did we ever do that? And, he's, and this is what he replies. He says, and the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. See, pure religion looks after orphans and widows. It's interesting when you look at the Greek text, orphans and widows, there's no conjunction there. There's no orphans and window, widows. It's just orphans, widows. It tells us that there's just one class. There's no distinction between these two groups of people. It's just those that, that if somebody doesn't step in and help them or do something on their behalf, they're going to be completely and absolutely destitute. And it says, pure religion is to look after orphans and widows in their distress. The word in, in distress in the Greek language is the word philipsis, and it means to crush together or to press down or, or to squeeze. It comes from the word to, to break. It, it was used in the time of Jesus to talk about what people would do to grapes when they would crush them to make wine. That's what he's, the, the picture that he's creating here is he talks about these orphans and widows in their distress. And this is a very, very, very dangerous situation they find themselves in. And here's how it looked, just culturally speaking, that in that society, widows and orphans were the most vulnerable. And typically what would happen is, is a woman would get married, she would have children, she would look after the children and, and, and take care of the household while the man went out to work and to care and provide for his family. But what would happen in that kind of agrarian culture is that if the man died and there was no family to look after them, like the, the women and the children, like they were completely vulnerable. There was no welfare system, there was no social safety net, there was no daycare for the woman to be able to put her child in so that she could go get, there was none of that. They had no options whatsoever. And so what would happen is, 
is the, the most disgusting, despicable type of men would look for these women and children that were in these kinds of situations and they would, they would come alongside of them and, and, and abuse them and take advantage of them, often taking the kids away to sell them into slavery or prostitution or into the gladiator games. And, and so this is what was kind of what was going on in that day. The women and children were inc- incredibly vulnerable. And so if you're an orphan or widow in that society, like you're, you're in distress in this situation. And what James, the writer here to this these group of Christians, is saying that true religion, this is what it looks like. It's, it, it looks like you've got the Father's heart for those that are in most need. Like in your heart, you're like, I've got to do something. Like I've got to put my arms around them. I've got to protect them. I've got to provide for them. I've got to love them. I've got to care for them. That's what true and pure religion looks like. In fact, in Psalm 82, it's a great song. It gives us a great picture of, of God's passion. It says, defend the weak and the fatherless. Uh, uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. Listen to the verbs that he uses here, like defend and rescue. Like, you got to do something here. The problem is, is that anytime we hear you know, huge stats like what I read at the beginning and talked about at the beginning, that even when we're confronted with scripture, it's easy for us just to ignore it. Like it's just a stat. It's, it's just a scripture. Until that stat becomes a person. In fact, this is so true. If right now I, I were to show you some picture of children that were in desperate situations in your own neighborhoods, and I told you their stories, chances are, like, I would get calls right away saying, Justin, what can I do? Like, like I, I'm, I'm ready to do this. I'm ready to help. I'm ready to do whatever it takes. But I want to let you know that the reality is, is that every single one of these 440,000 kids in the nation, 30,000 in our county alone, every single one of these kids has a face. And every single one of them has a name, and every single one of them has a, has a story. And what I deeply believe is that that our call to love our neighbors means that we are loving these children who are in great need right now. Because here's the truth. Our God cares about these kids more than we can ever imagine. And the church exists for the purposes of God, which means, and this is as clear as I can say it, that that Jesus is calling us as his church. The church is not a building. It's not, not, a, not a gathering. It's not a, a service time. The church is you and me. God is calling us as his church to care about them as well. In fact, Psalm 68, it tells us who God is. And I love this imagery. It says, who, who is God? He's the father to the fatherless. He's the defender of widows. This is God whose dwelling is holy. God places the lonely in families. It's that great imagery. God places the lonely in families. Like right now, God God hears children all around us. There's there's a kid that's playing down the street and he needs needs a home. There's a kid that's lonely and he he needs a home. There's a 16-year-old right now that's rebelling and making bad decisions and and she needs a home. And there's a four-month-old that needs a home. And, And what does God do? It says that God is looking for a family who's willing to say, you know what, I'll do- yes, I will do that. And God orchestrates and brings the lonely into families. Why? So they can experience the deep and incredible love of God that he has for them. Wholeness and peace and all of the love that he has for them. 
What does God do? God picks up the lonely and he places them into families. Now here's the question that I want to ask. What if God has his eye on your family? What if God has his eye on your home? What if some of you, you, beca- you, you became the answer to some child's deepest prayer request? I think a lot of us, when we hear this, I mean, it's, it's easy to get uncomfortable. We're, we're faced with pretty dramatic statistics, and yeah, it's easy to be overwhelmed and uncomfortable because, you know, you know, we've got a lot going on, and so we immediately begin to make excuses where, you know, I, I, you know, I know this is important, but I'm so busy, or, you know, I, I'm, I'm consumed with these other things, or I'm not called to do this, or it's not the right season of my life for this, and you know, I can't have a child in my home, and, and the problem is, is that so oftentimes we end up making excuses unless, instead of simply stopping to listen to what the Holy Spirit is speaking to us, we find excuses instead of listening. Because right now what I'm, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that every single one of us should have a child or a teenager in our home. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that we should all stop and pause because we know how much God loves these kids and it should give us uh, give us pause to stop and ask God, is there anything that you would have me do about that? Would you? Ha- is there anything that you would want me do to be involved with this? Because before you say no, we can just stop and pray and ask if God would have us do something because, because I'm telling you, there's a place for you. There's a place for you to do something. In fact, when you think about it, if you ever let a child into your home, if you ever say yes to this, you become the solution to the problem that's all around us. That may be the most godlike thing that you ever do in your life. Because if you're a follower of Jesus, this is exactly what God did for us. If you look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5, it says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. And this is what he wanted to do. Like, he didn't do it begrudgingly or because he had to. This is what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure. Yeah, we talk about all of this and the, the tremendous need that's all around us. And I'll tell you what, my, yeah, please hear this. My goal is not to, not to guilt anybody into taking action. Like never, ever do I want to communicate in a way that just, just heaps guilt or condemnation. But my goal over the course of this series is to remind us that our neighbors need us. Whether that's our, our neighbors that, that need us to stand up for them or to stand in for them or our neighbors that need us to help them or to listen to them or, or invite them into our homes. God is calling us to love our neighborhoods. Now I'm just thinking about this and it, it just dream with me for a moment. I mean, think about this. If every single church in the United States adopted or fostered one child, there would be no more kids in need of homes. Like that's just one, that's not every single follower of Jesus. That's just one church. And like we've already done that, thanks to our great friends, Deanna and Tony. Like we've already done that. But what if every single one of us were like, God cares so much about these kids. What can I do? Like I've got to do something. Here's what would happen. That instead of, in our county, there being 30,000 kids in need of a home, there would be children, there, there would be families waiting for children. I didn't say that very well. But 30,000 people, instead of kids waiting for a family, families would be waiting for kids. Like, we would totally get rid of the need. Why? Because the church simply rose up and acted like the church. 
And if every foster family was supported and cared for by the church, then every single one of those families and kids that were brought in and fostered by those families, they would be loved and supported within the church because the church rose up and acted like the church. See, Jesus said this. He said, he said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all your soul and all of your mind. And he said, the second commandment is just like it. He said this, and love your neighbor as yourself. I want to let you know, you're the plan. Like, that's it. Like you, you, you can't do everything, but you can do something. And if we, every single one of us did something and the church simply acted like the church, like we were really following Jesus and had the same passion and heart as Jesus did, there would be no more need anymore in our country or in our county. Can I just encourage us, every single one of us, to just pause and ask, God, what would you have me do? Like, I don't have any specific action steps for you except for this. God, what would you have us do? Like individually, what would you have us do? Corporately, what would you have us do? And Father, I just ask that you would, you would speak to us. And, and we know that, that every single one of these kids, like you can hear their prayers, you can hear their cries, you can hear the desperation, you can hear the need. And you are looking for families to place these kids into. And you, you are looking, you, that's what you do. You set the lonely in families. And so, Father, I pray that we would be a church that looks so, so incredibly like you, Jesus, that our passions and what we do and what we spend our time and our energy and our money on would be so closely reflected to your kingdom and your values that they would just be like, those are Jesus followers. Would you help us, Lord? Would you help us in every area, in every way that we can neighbor to have compassion and then take action? In Jesus' name, amen.